Coming up on Talk is Cheap, we take a look at the Bermuda Triangle. Is this some weird stuff or can this be explained? Up next on Talk is Cheap. Talk is cheap, where cheap is talk, and talk is cheap. I'm your host, Dan Hovell. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 130, and we are keep cranking them out here. And to my left is none other than where the hell is that Pete Hallblood? Oh, hey, hey, guys. What's up? (laughs) I I was distracted there. How's it going, planet Earth and beyond? Pete Hallblood here with Dan Holfeld. Talk is cheap. Hope you're doing well. Where cheap is talk, and talk talk is is cheap. cheap. So, ladies and gentlemen, you love this shirt. I think this one is actually kind of underrated. It's like, I like it how it's like there, like you see Disclosure Slash now, but mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, a big UFO or something in your yeah, face. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, it's not in your face. It, it takes a little bit to, to understand. Pretty, uh, pretty like uh, in the shadows type. Uh, so it gets people message. thinking a little bit. If you guys want to have one of these shirts or thinking about it, uh, the holidays will be coming up. I'm going to put a special in. I'll probably get that going about in December, run it through all the way till the new year there. Yeah, so we got all these shirts over for purchase. And the cover-up has been a favorite. That one's been getting the most uh, That's a cool hits, one. if you will. Yep. Very good. Um, in your face. And it really gets people thinking, like, wait a minute, that stuff is real. And then, yeah, of course it's real. You can talk to people, educate them a little bit. You want to be a little more mysterious and not... Have such a big UFO thing in the face. Disclosure slash now, very nice. Fist one is showing your power breaking through the wall, suppression. And, of course, we got mugs, posters, and stickers. And a beach towel as well. It's oh, all there. There we go, yeah. Phone cases and the bust of nuts. <laughs> what? What's, oh, yeah. that, what's that about? Just for Is that just for fun, Dan? <laughs> I decided to uh, make some fun shirts that... Um, <laughs> Somebody might buy. I don't. I don't get it. What does busting up mean? Uh-huh. You don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why don't you show us, Dan? Sure. Uh, on the X-rated version. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Go go see his other channel for that. I suppose. <laughs> Are you accepting like T-shirt it. designs? Like if if, yeah, if people have a good one. I always thought about you know maybe doing a contest at some point, but I haven't got any of that worked yeah, well, out right now. Send a send a, a, a file to our um, email address, and uh, let's get, make sure it's like high quality. See, we get into little technical difficulties because it's got to be high quality image, so it prints. Yeah, and all that. Well, you know, if you give them some ideas, Dan can do it. If it's if it's that good, Dan, we we can work with it, right? But it's got to be good, right? So don't send us your, you know, j- junior varsity effort. It's got to be cool. <laughs> And uh, any T-shirts that uh, we decide to run, um, K2D4 Network and Talk is Cheap is, uh, will be, have, have sole ownership of the design moving forward. Well said. Well, thank you guys for joining us today on this episode, episode 130 of Talk is Cheap. Wow, 130 already, Dan. 130, huh? yes. Wow. We are on. Are we on pace to hit 200 next summer? Probably not. We can't be. We slowed down a little bit. Yeah, we do about 50. So I was just thinking of, about our 200th episode, what we we're going to do, but we got some time to think about it. We have to start planning uh, 
another extravagant. We try to do an extravaganza every year. Yeah, yeah. Start Thinking kicking about, around what we're gonna uh, do. It's kind of nice to have something in the works. Okay, so uh, we got a voicemail from Fred Grace called in. So let's take a listen to this All and right. see what he's got yep. to say. All right, Fred. What do you hey, got Dan, for this us? is Fred Grace. What you doing, man? So anyway, besides making all my videos and uh, I've been demonetized on YouTube, so I created a new station called Rusty Nets Used Automotive. Regardless of that, um, you do understand that the FBI has uh, the X-Files and it's all been written in TV and some of the hypersonic speed, some of the craft that are black ops, these are deep black budget, X-Craft, uh, hyperspeed, they tap into the fourth state of matter known as the electromagnetic field. Bro, you can call me anytime. I'll tell you all about it. Fred Grace. Oh, Fred's got some info. Always love to hear about that stuff. Yeah, he. so he got demonetized too now by yeah. YouTube. There, it? there, it's, it's an outright attack on folks that are trying to expose the truth, you know? So he's talked about his other channel. We'll give him a shout out here on the show. Why not? So we got Rusty yeah. Nuts Used Automotive. Yeah, he was in the chat during the live show. Yeah, he So did. that was cool. Let's yeah. click on one of these videos and just give a, a little week, taste. Week ago. It's like he's looking at old uh, ours here. Oh, does he work on him? Is that him? Yeah, that's him. Sweet, cool. Looks like he lives in a nice area. I thought he was going to build a flying saucer, though. Well, <laughs> what a better way to build a flying saucer if you disguise it as like an old street rod like that. That's a good point. You know, he makes this look way too easy. <laughs> There's this back plate. It can shine. We could drill holes in it, make whatever we want. Oh, then these brakes, these brakes, you can polish these up, bro. I need a, a Dremel. So it's all there if you want to. Awesome. I, I like to, I could hear in his voice. He's genuinely excited and enjoys that. So that's cool. Awesome. Rusty Nuts. Oh, Rusty yeah. Nuts. <laughs> yep. I'm forever. It was Fred Grace, right? No. Yep, Sorry, Fred. Grace. Rusty Nuts. That's what I'm calling you. Very cool. So, yeah, uh, I never let the message. Um, if you guys want to call in with your voicemail, don't be afraid. 1-256-510-5234. 1-256-510-K2D4. Leave a message just like Fred did here. Uh, if you want to give a shout-out, I don't even care if people want to plug their uh, YouTube channel. Go ahead. We're here to help each other. YouTube is censoring everybody. Where we go, one, uh -huh. we go all, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got to stick together. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and call that number, and uh, there's one more message next week I'll play, or the two, it'll be two weeks, on Pete's Thanksgiving episode that I'll play, and we'll uh, get him on air as well. All right, Bermuda Triangle, let's get into this. Yeah, I think this is a topic, Dan, that everybody knows something about it. You know, I mean, it's pretty uh, out there in pop culture. and I was always going to cover this before, and I was like, then I kind of... I looked into it and I was like, well, and then somebody asked for it. Speaking of which, this topic was suggested by Terry Rosado. She is our moderator in the chat. Oh, so, good, Terry. Awesome. Thanks for doing that. It takes a lot of pressure off us. It does. 
So I figured, why not do it? We got somebody asking for it. Let's get it up and talk about this stuff. So Bermuda Triangle, let's break this thing down here on screen. Aircraft, ships, all sorts of stuff go disappearing, time traveling through it and stuff like that, right, Daniel? Perfect in a nutshell, yes. Yep. So the Bermuda Triangle, also known as the Devil's Triangle or Hurricane Alley, is loosely defined as a region in the western part of North Atlantic Ocean where a number of aircraft ships are said to have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Most reputable sources dismiss the idea that there is any mystery. So on the map, we got a nice map here of what we're looking at. This area is designated the Bermuda Triangle area. This area is 500,000 to 1.5 mil square miles depending on who you talk to because different researchers say it's different size whatever because yep. they they like to fit a lot of these crashes into the bermuda, into triangle. The bermuda triangle yeah <laughs> so the triangle stretches from miami florida to san juan puerto rico and bermuda in the north atlantic island i never realized yeah. bermuda was that far up there i mean that's like a that's a region the size of the eastern seaboard that's the bermuda triangle that's a it's it is all of there. Florida and add the whole seaboard in there. And when you look at how big that triangle actually is. Yeah, according to that map. So the American author Vincent Gaddis was the first to define this boundary in 1964 in an issue of the magazine named Argosy and called the area the Deadly Bermuda Triangle. Other authors extended the boundaries to include other incidences. Now here's where the clicker is, so you can see how big this is, where it's located. It's one of the most heavily traveled shipping lanes in the world. Okay, so you're going to have ships sink because it's traveled more frequently. Yes. Okay. You know, ships going from the Florida area there or even from Carolinas, Georgia up here. You know, going through, if you have to go to South America, Caribbean, and then even over like to Europe if you're, you know, making this stretch run up here to get up there. The cruise ships and pleasure craft regularly sail through the region, and commercial and private aircraft routinely fly over it. Okay, so Caribbean. It's, you know, they always have those Caribbean trips. They're getting off in Florida. Yeah. They usually take off in Florida and then go over. Yeah, like anybody flying from Florida to Puerto Rico spends the whole trip in that in the Bermuda Triangle. So we're, we're to take ships and aircraft do not actively avoid it. Okay, that's yeah. You bring up a great point because I went to my iPhone, I got an app on there that shows uh, flights and where they're going yep. real time, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun, folks. I took a snapshot of that area, and sure enough, we got some planes flying right through there, a bunch of them. So this is not avoided. So if there was, if there was something big going on here, they they're not scared about it. But let's go ahead and look at some incidents uh, so from 1946 to 1991, there's been over 100 disappearances of ships and planes. That's more than two, that two a year. That's significant, though. I mean, what's the global average of plane and uh, ship disappearances? You're asking a good question. Can you research that while we're on the... <laughs> I can try. <laughs> Got two birds with one stone here. Yep. Okay, so let's go through some incidences. One of the... Earliest known incidences was uh, Christopher Columbus, which I'm sure you're going to get into on your next episode, Pete. <laughs> uh, actually, not so much. I avoided that because it, it's not so that, you know, that's about it's about 200 years later when Thanksgiving happens. But OK, so not much. I could have, though, but I avoided it d deliberately. OK, so 
So when Columbus came over in 1492, there was reports of him seeing these uh, orbs, light, lit up orbs in the sky in that area. Uh, did his ship sink? No. So another incident here, we're just going to go through these. There's a big one at the end, but there's uh, I'll cover a few of them. We got March 1918. The USS Cyclops, one of Navy's largest fuel ships, this was a, a coal carrier, disappeared somewhere north of Barbados. The captain never sent out a distress signal, and nobody aboard even answered any of the calls from the hundreds of ships that were reported in the vicinity. Nice ship, but she sank, or well, I guess they don't really know because they'd never found the debris either. You just assume that it would have sank, of course. So quick uh, interjection here, Dan. Annually, globally, uh, more than two dozen large ships sink or otherwise go missing. So uh, say 24, that's globally once every 15 days a ship sinks or goes missing. That's a pandemic then, really. Yep. And the... Bermuda Triangle is two per year from up to 91. So it's really not that out of the question that it, mm. it's, I'd have to really get down and, and do some math on that, but it's not, it's, it does, when you, when you think of that, that leaves 22 for the rest of the globe. And if it's, and if it is a highly trafficked area, you're going to see sinking ships and airplanes. That wasn't even airplanes. That was just ships. Yeah. yeah we'll get, we'll, uh, we'll get into some of the theories at the end here. I'm gonna, let's finish covering some of the incidences. These are the more well-known cases. Yes, yep. So December uh, 1948, a Douglas Dakota DC-3 airplane was carrying 26 people and suddenly disappeared 50 miles from its destination in Florida. The flight sent out its final radio call to indicate its nearby position. It was never heard from again. Again, a plane over Florida area mm -hmm. disappears. No wreckage found. Wow. Yep. Uh, quick interjection uh, from 1948 to 2014, 85 aircraft have vanished um, without a trace. Without a trace vanished. That doesn't include crashes, but vanished without a trace. 85 from 48 to 2014. So you got 50, 60, 66 years. Is that it? I think so. So you get one and a half airplanes every year disappear without a trace. On average. Mm. That's crazy. Globally. Yeah, they never did find that Malaysia flight ever. <laughs> they keep, keep, MH it keeps coming up in the conspiracy 350 feed, but it, was, they yeah. never found anything. Mm -mm. No, they found some wreckage that I think that they determined wasn't from it, but what plane was it that they've... I don't even... I've stayed away from that yeah. report, actually. Just... Uh, yeah, it was all, uh, it was all uh, a deep state hit anyway to... Oh, so you kind of know something about it. Yeah, there was, uh, I forget, uh, what was it? Maybe you should do a report kind, on that. Yeah, I should, I should, I should talk about that because it's, when you look at the people that actually died on that plane and where sole ownership of what company was it? Interesting. Got transferred. Anyway, I digress. That's usually what happens. Okay, so another incident, October 1951, a ship called the Southern District disappeared after being seen near the Bermuda Triangle. Four years later, in 1955, the only piece of evidence in regards to the ship's whereabouts was Ooh. discovered off the Florida coast, a life preserver with the missing ship's name printed on it. Cool, at least there's something... Uh, oh, know, it didn't get... Found it didn't necessarily get sucked into a different dimension or anything. 
Well, the life preserver didn't, uh -huh. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So another incident, December 1967. A 23-foot cabin cruiser called Witchcraft was built to be nearly unsinkable. That's like Titanic stuff there, folks. Disappeared along with its two passengers oh. aboard, one of whom was an experienced sailor named Dam Burek. The boat featured a flotation device in the hull that should have allowed part of the witchcraft to remain afloat, no matter how much water was in the boat. About a mile out from Miami <coughs> Beach, Burek called the Coast Guard after hitting something in the water and also requested a tow back to shore. It was reported that Burek sounded calm during the call and he didn't mention anything about his boat sinking. But when the Coast Guard finally arrived, Burek and his passenger in the witchcraft were nowhere to be found and was never seen again. People wonder how two men aboard an unsinkable ship equipped oh, with life jackets, flotation, sea cushions, flares could have possibly gone missing, let alone the ship itself. Very interesting, like you said. So he hit something and obviously disabled the ship so he couldn't propel himself anywhere. But you would think and a mile from shore is not that far. You'd think the Coast Guard would have covered that in a matter of minutes. You're right. Uh, yeah, you, a mile you, out from Miami Beach. Yeah. Huh. You would you'd think that they would the it would have been I would guess that it probably was under a half hour and I it's probably closer to fifteen minutes. I mean the if the Coast Guard they get a call, they like to open up those boats if they're hammering <laughs> across the ocean. Yeah, because if you're not they it's like anything, like these... Uh, they're chasing down drug runners and stuff with those boats, aren't they? So like they got to be moving like pretty... like to get going, too, when they have yeah. a lot of... Not much going on. They yeah, wouldn't, they're going to give her go. hell. Yeah, no. let's go and shoot someone. But isn't it kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you call your butch, uh, boat witchcraft? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you know what happens to boats when you claim they're unsinkable, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Never do that. Okay, so now the, the well, this is one of the biggest stories. They made a movie for, about this. Oh, is there? I think so. I've seen some uh, like Discovery Channel stuff about this uh, reports, but this is one of the big ones here that everybody talks about. Flight 19. So on December 5th, 1945, five military TBM Adventure Torpedo bombers departed Fort Lauderdale, Florida, at about 2:10 p.m. on a routine training mission. Known as Flight 19, the five TBM Avenger airplanes carried a total of 14 men led by instructor Lieutenant Charles Taylor. Shortly after completing their training mission, Lieutenant Taylor got lost in the area that is now known as the Bermuda Triangle. Since this was an era before the GPS was invented, Taylor and his pilots relied heavily on compasses, both of which were malfunctioning. Hmm... Out of desperation, one of the pilots sent out an emergency transmission that was picked up by a control tower, and it goes, We can't find West. Everything is wrong. We can't be sure of any direction. Everything looks strange, even the ocean. That was one of the transmissions, and then another transmission uh, came. This was the last transmission, I should say. goes as follows. We can't make anything out. We think we may have about 225 miles northeast of the base. It looks like we are entering white water. What is We're it? completely lost. What does, what does white water mean? Exactly. So white water. So basically, they're saying this ocean is unrecognizable to them. Several minutes after the last transmission, a PBM Marine flying boat immediately took off on a rescue mission. 
the boat would radio the control tower once more, also completely vanishing. So the boat, they, the the, air, the flying boat, which can fly and is a boat, also disappeared. The one they yeah. sent out to rescue him. Yep. Crazy, huh? And then in the Navy's final report, when they actually did a full sweep of this thing, in the final report, they said, we're not even able to make a good guess as to what happened. And, and what's interesting about this, Dan, is that there were multiple aircraft and they all disappeared. You would have thought that eventually if they hit rough weather or something, one would have popped out and been back in radio contact. It's, it's like that, the yeah. whole squadron. I've read other stories about this Flight 19. Um, like some of the pilots knew uh, the direction they were going was wrong, but they were they had to file this Lieutenant Charles Taylor. Like his compass was malfunctioning, but he had to be the leader. Oh. And they had to just follow his orders. So they all ended up dying. Running out when of they fuel just turned in the middle around of the Atlantic or something. So I've I've heard that. Well, if that radio transmission came in, you would have thought you would have thought that he would have been talking to the other guys and they would have been like, sorry, hey boss, I think we're going the wrong way. My compass is working and it says this direction, yeah, right? That's what I I what sounded like what one of the um, stories said happened. Again, that's not what it says here. So we got two different stories. Well, and there's, of course, yeah, all sorts of variations of it, I'm sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And welcome back to Talk is Cheap on the K2D4 Network. Let's get into some of the possibilities of how what could be happening here. So we're talking about... Methane gas, is that covered at all? Was that one of your theories? I thought I'd come across one at some point that it was methane bubbles from the bottom of the ocean due to volcanic activity. I never even came across that one, but that's not a bad theory either. You yeah, know? because it can it can mess. You know, if you if it starts gassing off on the ocean, your engines aren't going to work right. It'll actually displace um, enough water that ships will sink because they, they they it'll with the bubbles in a ship. You know, it requires it to displace the amount of water. You know, for buoyancy, when you have bubbles, it'll actually there's not enough water, and then it'll just sink down, and then it goes down, and then psh, the ocean comes over. On oh, top yeah. of it. that was a theory that I've. Thought would be plausible, but uh, you would think that eventually people would have figured that out for sure. That that's what is it? Is it something that's quick? It's not like something that would take a while where they'd have time to radio somebody. It would be pretty quick, I would imagine. I mean, it's like uh, God. There was a video of a volcanic eruption under under um, the ocean. I saw once, and it, it happened pretty quick. But I would think that you would like see the turbulent water, and you might get a transmission out quick or something. But I don't, I don't know. That was one of the theories that came across that kind of stuck with me that, you know, might be something. It's got to be aliens, Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> so back to uh, other theories. So the area we're talking about here, you know, there's deep spots of water in here. Like you could say bottomless. <laughs> it's, it's really deep. And then there's other spots that aren't quite so deep. Has anybody ever tried to dive or put one of those underground submarine or underwater submarine remote submarines you know that they explore like the yeah Marias. they've they've been going through there and they do find some of the 
But you're talking a minimum of a 500,000 square miles. It's a big area, yeah. yeah. And I think there was actually a video I watched that they thought was one of the Flight 19 planes, but they couldn't make out one of the numbers, so they couldn't say for sure it was that. But they were down there, and there was a plane down the there. Water. Yeah. Interesting. And very deep. They had, they had those enforced, reinforced sub things. Yep. So, again, deep water, this area, tropical storms. Oh, yeah. Everyone passes through here. Yeah, and it's just constantly. <clears throat> and a lot of these, like, even the, like, the authors on some of these, they will leave out that there was a storm in there. When oh, that, when it happened yeah. and stuff. Okay, well, that's. So that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's not, that's not legitimate reporting. And then another thing here we got to be aware of, too, there's shallow spots, coral reef. So these shipping container boats or whatever, uh, coal, in the case of the Cyclops, could have slammed in the coral reef, um, bottomed out, and then... And, and you know what? If they don't find that in the first couple months and one of these large tropical storms come by, I mean, you've seen before uh pictures where entire like sandbars or islands would be created or destroyed after a hurricane oh yeah you know and so it in theoretically it could be completely covered you know in 10 20 feet of of dirt and sand on on the ocean floor yeah so those are still kind of like you know if you hit shallow reef or whatever you'd still have time to like radio in and call for your last destination before you jump over ship well there's a video here i want to show of uh, some waves that could have uh, slammed oh, in. Oh, one of these uh, rogue wave. Is it like prone to rogue waves? Let's watch the clip. Dr. Simon Boxall from the University of Southampton made a splash with one theory. And then suddenly we get that peak happening just there. The rogue wave occurs where several wave mm. systems come together and they create a super wave. They're rare, they don't happen very often, but when they do happen, you get a wave that can easily swamp a ship, even at super tanker size. A potential Damn. explanation in the triangle storm-prone waters. Well, right there, think about it. Yeah, I mean, there. rogue waves have, like, disabled cruise ships and stuff, and they're huge, you know? And that can happen instantly. You're over, you're, you're so focused on what's going on. And you don't you don't you, you don't notice the two hundred foot wave coming at you that's rolling over and next thing you know you're on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. You know? And you can't don't have time to even call for backup or anything. So I thought that was a pretty damn good plausible it, one there. Yeah, you know, can it explain some? Yeah, does it explain everyone? No. No. I mean a rogue wave certainly didn't take down flight nineteen, right? Correct. And we'll we'll get into that. So another thing here. Uh, we talked about the compass issue on mm -hmm. Flight 19. So there's a magnetic phenomenon there as well. So True North and Magnetic North actually line up in that area, and it's affected the compass readings, and lightning can intensify the magnetic field. Also, magnetite. Coming from the bottom of the uh, ocean, there's a underground volcano there, Bermuda, the Bermuda Volcano. And it spewed out all this magnetite up to 200 miles radius there. Interesting. So it causes compass issues. And again, yeah. this is the most magnetic naturally occurring substance, substance on Earth. 500 billion tons, tons around Bermuda. Yeah, it, you could do that. It could spin some compasses. 
So you got to kind of go, okay, yeah. And as that technology got better, you get, you use GPS, you don't have to worry about compasses anymore mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So another theory, and this is interesting, air bombs. So there's hex, they actually recently kind of like meteorologists figured this stuff out. From time to time, there'll be these hexagonal clouds and air bombs from satellite images. Meteorologists have recently discovered strange hexagonal clouds that are capable of blasting winds to the ocean below at huge speeds. And such wind can create waves as high as 45 feet. Planes and ships under such clouds can sink in no time. Again, rare. So you're not going to have all these incidents. Twice, twice a year for 50 years. Again, could explain some. I mean, but you know what? If you've got rogue waves that claim some, you've got air bombs that claim some, pretty soon you're going to have uh, reasons for everything. You put them everything. all together. Yeah. It, it can could be either one. You know when the last time a uh, ship or plane disappeared in Bermuda Triangle? You were going to ask. No, I didn't find anything on that. It's actually harder to find stuff than you think about. Uh, yeah, 2015, the SS El Faro with a crew of 33 aboard sank off the coast of the Bahamas within the Bermuda Triangle. October 1st, 2015. Okay. Well, that's news to me. Okay, a couple out there theories. There's a theory that thinks it's, there's the lost city of Atlantis over there. Theorists believe that the fabled city once resided under the triangle and... Mystical crystals which power the Atlantis are still resting on the seabed, transmitting huge waves of energy that destroy the vessels on the sea above. Uh-huh. What do you think of that, Pete? Interesting. Yeah, that's what I think about it. Another one is the UFO thing. Of course, uh, Columbus with the seeing the orb things. Some writers have blamed UFOs for the disappearances. They believe that aliens use the triangle as a portal to travel to and from our planet, areas like a gathering station where they are where they capture people, ships, and aircraft to conduct research. Again, kind of hard to prove, but we do know there's uh, USOs, unidentified submerged objects. They got underground uh, bases. Why not have one in the Bermuda Triangle? You know, they could be have some strange uh, power force that knocks it over. Whatever. Um, but the whole dimension, you know, I can't say that it can't happen, but who knows? And, you know, it could be a combination of all the things. So you really, you know, there could be some naturally occurring stuff in there along with some paranormal stuff. So a big one here. Ooh, Hutchison effect. Hutchison effect, nice. yes. So Bruce Gernon actually had a time travel experience going through this electronic fog. Mm -hmm. Now, this is kind of really interesting here. I want to read these couple paragraphs and then we'll get into his recent experience with it so one of the explanations of bermuda triangle disappearance is based on electronic fog something similar to what the canadian scientist john hutchinson could demonstrate in his own lab it is something like grayish cloud of electronic fields that get formed above the ocean such electronic fog seems to appear from nowhere and completely engulfs a ship or aircraft the fog then keeps moving along the ship or the plane and soon all the electronic systems and instruments start malfunctioning. Nothing works correctly any longer. Spatial disorientation and time distortion starts. And finally, the ship or the aircraft can disintegrate or disappear without a trace. So far, all such instances of electronic fog have been described as supernatural phenomenon or as mere sensational stories from writers wanting to sell their own books on Bermuda Triangle 
This is despite the fact that some of the real SOS calls quoting the strange fog actually came from veterans. So back to Flight 19, they said the ocean looks white, doesn't look recognizable. Maybe it was electronic Yeah, fog. yeah, the ocean doesn't look look normal, whatever it was said, right? So, uh, yeah, you're looking down, you see some weird fog coming up at you. It might discolor what you're looking at. And Interesting. Not even, not even coming up at you. This follows the plane. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It just follows, yeah. So you could see how that could cause an issue. Now, Bruce Gernon had his experience with this. He was with his father in the 1970s, and then elliptical-shaped clouds started forming ahead of them about three miles off Andros Island. Before it could get out of the cloud, it engulfed the plane and tunneled around them. While flying through the tunnel at 10,000 feet, they saw the cloud around them forming lines and slowly rotating and, sp and spiraling in anti-clockwise direction while propelling them forward, they started having a feeling of zero gravity mm -hmm. and all navigational systems started to collapse. Luckily, the cloud suddenly disintegrated over Miami Beach and they were again spotted on the radar. But the, it says, however, they traveled through the tunnel for 100 miles, taking 30 minutes less than the time it would normally take. So there was a little weirdness with it. Um, and the whole electronic fog thing is weird in and of itself. You don't really hear fog <laughs> staying Chase, with you. Yeah, chasing you. You can see how that would kind of screw with you. Um, I do have his recent explanation to this here. Oh, let's see if I can blow that up a little bit here. <clears throat> After 31 years of mm. research, Gernon discovered how he had flown those 100 miles <coughs> in such a short time and never seen the earth or sky around him. He was... Captured by what he calls electronic fog, there are dozens of planes and boats that have been in this fog throughout history, and there are dozens more that have crashed because it can induce spatial disorientation. Many have disappeared, and some have even disintegrated. All of the people that have been in through this fog thought they were traveling through the fog. That makes sense. You would think, hey, I'm going to get to the other side, and then you don't. So basically, this fog does attach itself to your plane, and then... Just follows you yeah, around. Yeah, so you're kind of like, you can see how that would screw with you bad. I think that's actually one of the good explanations for some of these. That would be interesting. And sh like ships are supposedly have that happen too. But what would make the ship sink or disappear? I can Again, you add the wave in. So you've got uh, electronic fog and a rogue wave combination. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a theory. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I, I, I get, get how it. you're saying there's going to have to be two different yep. things going on at once, but if it's going to affect the navigation systems. So back to the data, because we were talking about uh, how many ships have sunk into the Bermuda Triangle, and if it's a bad area, why are they still flying planes over it and running their shipping ships through there as well? I wanted to, what I wanted to find was a map of every single shipwreck on the <laughs> pinned out so you could see it all at once, but I couldn't find anything like that. But I do, I did find this. This is a map of the World oh War II shipwreck. Oh my God, wrecks. look at all that litter. So just looking at this now, this is World War II. The Bermuda Triangle. You know, it's right here. here. There's not much over there, is there? Uh -uh. There's a bunch well, not, up by Europe. Yeah, because that's where a bunch of the war was fought up through there. Over in Japan. But not as much as you would think if it was a... I, you know, again, Dano, it's like how many ships did they put through it? And, and here's another one. So we got 
the world's region's most shipwrecked. So this this map here has been since 2007. So this is more recent stuff. Um, it doesn't even have. Bermuda Triangle doesn't even register. So we got 249 wrecks in the South, in the South China, China Sea. sea. Oof. And, you know, a little one up here, Russian Arctic. Well, that's that's probably icebergs and stuff. Right, but a little bit there, Bermuda Triangle doesn't have any. Not enough to... to... There's probably like two or something. Oh, so, so maybe it's, it's like, uh, you know, like mass shootings. It's they're just overblown. They don't happen that as often as people leave you, lead you to believe. I think, I think that's what it is. And, uh, gotta hope I just didn't get us in trouble there. Dan. So back to the video I was playing, they kind of have a nice, uh, wrap up on this. I thought it was appropriate to play it. So we'll, uh. Listen to this. Well, according to Lloyds of London, there are no more losses in the Bermuda Triangle than anywhere else in the ocean. And yet, what is it about human nature, even for the skeptics right. like you and me professionally, that just maybe? I think that we're also storytellers, right? We're the storytelling animal. You know, as an anthropologist, that's the way I look at it. We really want to be a part of a big story. So we want to believe. We want to believe, and, and it's important that we try to believe, because that is the impetus for scientific understanding. In this case, perhaps we should embrace both fact and fiction. Wow. I cannot believe how many wrecks we saw. That's the story of Bermuda. It's a shipwreck island. For today, Carrie. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, because you put it into perspective, Dan. It's like, and, and they summed it up well. It doesn't happen uh, any more off, you know, frequently anywhere than anywhere else. And I think we kind of got to that on our own without them telling mm -hmm. us that. Um but I think what with the Bermuda Triangle and what makes it interesting is like the circumstances surrounding them is like that. Yeah, maybe we lose a lot of ships, but there's some weird stuff that goes on in there. And that's what keeps people interested in it and thinking that anybody that goes in there is going to die. No, well, you know, maybe it happens as much or even less in other areas. Uh, but when it does happen, you have, yeah, you know, Air Force pilots saying, I don't know what's going on. The ocean looks weird. And, and right. you know, folks that just disappear, You a plane disappears and then the rescue plane disappears. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of unique. But uh, it'll be interesting to see in mo more modern times if those trends continue. I mean, I, I looked online and it only shows just a handful in the last, you know, decade or so that, that have disappeared. Yeah, I don't there. know if it if it was such a big thing, a lot of people would avoid the area. Yeah. And I think that the biggest plausible ones here are the waves, the hexagonal clouds, and then the electronic fog. But have they and even pro stuff. proved electronic? It was that proven electronic fog. Hutchison uh -huh. did. Well, yeah, I know, and and I like. John, and we're Facebook buddies. And Are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he does some interesting stuff every now. I've talked to him a couple times about weird stuff. He's an interesting fellow. I will say that. Okay. I think it's being electronic fog is being met with skepticism. I would not say it is that that is accepted by scientific uh, consensus yet. Not that that makes it any more <laughs> right or wrong. Just want to say that. Yeah. I mean, we're here to look at theories and different angles. Yep. I mean. There's a lot of explanations here that it could be. So take it for what it is. There's more shipwrecks elsewhere. South China Sea is the big one. And like you said, I guess it's more about the mysterious circumstances. Yeah, it's, it makes for a good story, doesn't it, Dan? Keeps people going. But I always thought like when you heard 
Bermuda Triangle. It's like, oh, stay away from that area. You don't want to go in there. Oh, you, you go in there, you're not going to come back out. That's how yeah, I always thought it yeah. was. But it's not It's not like that. And if it was, they wouldn't send those ships through there. They wouldn't send the planes through there and all that stuff. So I hope you guys got something out of this uh, broadcast. If there's something I missed, please put it in the comments below and uh, say, hey, you missed this theory that it could be too. Um we're open to everything. That's what we're here to do is discuss this. We don't, yeah. I don't come claiming know that I know everything. Yeah. We universe. overlook stuff. We, you know, we just enjoy getting together and talking about this crazy stuff and try to enlighten some folks, share some informations and, and you know, I'll tell you what, if we're wrong, we're wrong. We'll admit it. All right. So with that being said, thank you guys for joining us. Thanks to those listening on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We are there audio only. And I wanted to say, I almost thought the audio podcast was actually, it would almost be more like your brain works more because you're listening to something and you're trying to figure. And you're picturing, picturing yeah, you're putting yeah. things in your mind and so stuff. So like yeah. with YouTube, when you have stuff, people are just skipping through it because they want information now. Yeah, now. they want to see the pictures. Yeah. I'm guilty of that too. I want to see the videos, the pictures and stuff. And we do a lot of talking, but. When you listen to a podcast, you're either in your car or you're working yeah. out or something. You actually have time for the whole thing yep. and can actually. Yeah, the podcasts I've listened to, I enjoy a lot. Yeah, They're good. They're great. Sure. Yep. So we're there as well. I'd love to see those numbers get up even more. So thank you guys for joining us. Dan Holfeld, Pete Hallblad. Yo, planet Earth. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Visit k2d4network.com today.